Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're about to hear an episode from the podcast, A Better Normal. Here, we take the disruption brought by COVID-19 to consider not just the new normal that awaits us, but a better normal that we might as well work for. If you like this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to A Better Normal on your favorite podcast app. Natatandaan mo ba yung simula ng pandemic? Bawal lumabas, pero lang kung bibili ka ng pagkain o gamot at kailangan may permit ka pa galing barangay. We were so afraid of this disease that was killing hundreds and then thousands by the day. And we hoped so badly for a cure, anything to get out of the nightmare we were living through. We just wanted to go back to the world we knew. Ngayon, nakuha mo na siguro ang boosters mo. Or at least, kumpleto na ang second dose. Medyo kampante ka na. Pero alam naman natin, COVID-19 won't be the last pandemic. I'm Trisha Aquino, co-founder of Puma Podcast. And in this special series, we take the disruption brought by COVID-19 to consider not just the new normal that awaits us, but a better normal that we might as well work for. In this episode of A Better Normal, we'll talk about how we can improve the way we respond to this pandemic and how we can prepare for future ones. As doctors, normally we don't worry about getting sick from our patients, but this time, this is the only time where the doctors are equally at risk, if not at highest risk for getting sick. And the problem is you treat everyone now as infected until proven otherwise, which means you have to take care of yourself, wear the right protective gear. The problem is N95 mask, gown, and goggles. That was Dr. Ignacio Rivera of Quirino Memorial Medical Center. We interviewed him in March 2020. He shared with us the sense of mission, but also of vulnerability among frontliners in the fight against COVID. We also talked to this young doctor at around the same time. You know, this is really a hard time for all of us, not only for us frontliners, but most especially our parents. I can imagine yung stress nila, double yung fear nila kasi yung anak nila alam nilang sasabak sa gera na kulang ang gamit, kulang ang sandata. She said her parents wanted her to quit her job. They wanted to bring her back to the province where it would be safer. But she couldn't leave her patients behind. We interviewed this doctor too. I'm a surgeon for both government and private hospitals. And we're still dealing with the same cases that we used to before the pandemic. 
and we're trying to care for these patients while maneuvering them so that they don't get exposed. So I once had to examine a patient in the parking lot inside their car so that they didn't have to go in the hospital facility. You can listen to their stories by looking for COVID Diaries on the Puma Podcast channel on your favorite app. But we're bringing these testimonies back to remind ourselves of what our frontliners had gone through. There was terror, uncertainty, and the determination to serve no matter what. This was something Doctors Without Borders had observed around the world. MSF responds to people's needs during emergencies, tulad ng natural disasters and pandemics. MSF it means Médecins Sans Frontières, which means in English, you know, Doctors Without Borders. That's Natalie Ernu. She's part of MSF's access campaign. They work to improve access to medicines. There was a lot of fear and desperation. Also, people were, you know, living in very crowded space, so they didn't know how to, you know, manage, you know, their own behavior. And they were afraid to be contaminated, but also to contaminate their loved ones. They were also afraid to have access to, to these health centers. There were shortages absolutely everywhere. And the big challenge was that, you know, wealthy countries had the power to pay and manage to basically access in priority. Given this hoarding by wealthy countries, in Natalie's words, MSF talked to policymakers, pharmaceutical companies, and donors funding innovations to address the pandemic. And they saw that production on diagnostics had to be ramped up for COVID detection. And therefore, we very quickly worked on trying to remove and to raise concern about intellectual property, saying that because of the level of public investment, there was a need for countries in their deal with pharmaceutical companies to ensure that intellectual property was not solely in the hand of pharmaceutical companies, but it was shared to allow for massive production in different places, in different regions. In fact, the problem was so bad that despite its financial capacity, MSF itself had to deal with scarcity. Remember, it was also helping communities during lockdown. And one solution they saw lay in the resourcefulness of the people. Natalie herself witnessed the solidarity among Filipinos. And very quickly, it was also to support, you know, all these super creative initiatives that we've seen in many countries of people suddenly sharing the design of the ideal mask to allow people to produce them. We've seen companies thinking on how to adapt some of their products to allow for better access to oxygen, for example. We've seen farmers, it was the case I think in the Philippines, selling in bulk some of their products and ensuring people could still have access despite the fact that there were, you know, lockdowns, etc. Another example of creativity and solidarity came from the Philippine General Hospital. They were a major COVID referral center, and in a way, they thought they were lucky because of this designation. Because donations poured in. So yeah, we, we saw how other hospitals were struggling in other, even in the, especially in the provinces, so that's not an issue with us no? um, in terms of our own needs. No? 
But the inequality, I think that we saw more was uh, obviously the access of our kababayan to hospital care, diba? That was PGH spokesman Dr. Jonas Del Rosario. And, and so we made sure that uh, at the time when it was so hard to get into the hospitals because of the Delta surge and a lot of patients are really getting admitted, obviously, a lot of our kababayans cannot afford uh, going to the private hospitals, no? Uh, so really, PGH had to open the doors and we really expanded to a point that we opened our hospital to about, I think, one of the biggest in the country. I think there was a time umabot pa kami ng mga 380 just to accommodate. And in spite of that, uh, we, we knew that uh, still a lot of patients were not being served. So that's when Tailagabay came in. I, I had this talk with the director and I said, look, we have to do something when other hospitals are offering now teleconsultation. And so PGH COVID Tailagabay was launched in March 2021. Volunteer doctors give advice, ginabayan nila ang mga pasyente habang may Delta surge. Initially nga parang fiber fiber call or texting uh, through, we have a PGH command center. Eh. Una, pag hindi na ma-admit, i-refer sa amin. So lahat ng hindi ma-admit ng PGH, kami yung sumasag. But eventually, we even made it further. I said, no, there's got to be a, a more... Uh, kasi paano kung hindi naman tumatawag sa PGH and marami rin naman dyan na hindi nila alam. So we eventually decided to go and use Facebook. Because Facebook, in a way, is like the social media equalizer kasi apparently Facebook pala libre. Eventually, Telegabay was serving patients who weren't even in the Philippines. Thousands have benefited from the service. It also helped decongest PGH. The hospital could take care of the critically ill, while those with mild symptoms could just be cared for at home. Kasi noon, pati yung mga simpleng, yung mga mild cases, pipila pa sila sa ER. Ito mga haba-haba. Kasi everybody's afraid, di ba? Kasi noong time na yun, parang daming namamatay. So kung may konting ubuka o lagnat, praning na praning ka na, pupunta na ako sa ER. So we will calmly advise them, don't panic, you can stay at home because the ones who are really sick need the beds, no? And then we just monitor them. And you know, on the other hand, the flip side naman, yung mga iba naman na natatakot na magpa-ospital dahil, and so and so, trying to manage themselves at home, we also tell them, hindi ka pwede sa bahay. Basically, we, it became like a triage system. And then we helped them na kung wala na sa PGH and we find other hospitals. And then eventually, we also find them suppliers at ba makabili ng oxygen tank? Sino ba ang nag-home service ng ganitong yung mga RT-PCR testing? No, it, became, it became like a very big resource center na parang. And the doctors might not have been compensated for their time, but they were still able to find satisfaction in their work. Nakakatuwa because the doctors were really willing to help. I mean, these doctors are surgeons, anesthesiologists, ophthalmologists, malay ba nila din sa mga infectious disease, hindi na nila linya yan. But everybody was willing to be a general practitioner. Parang, kumbaga, gera to, sa ngayon, lahat tayo sundalo. Parang fighting a common enemy. Wala akong pakailan po, ikaw ay uh, super tanda mo ng consultant o ikaw ay kabago-bago mo lang na-graduate. We are all in this together and we just help each other out. So someone might be asking, sorry, hindi ko alam to. And you don't feel stupid because somebody else will be willing to help you. Ganito yan. So eventually, natututo lahat. So it, it, it was, it's amazing. No? People were so excited to work.
we've seen how people were able to work within the limitations of the pandemic. And we've just heard a shining example of bayanihan. Pero hindi natin may kakailang nakita rin natin ang pagkakanya-kanya nitong nakaraang tatlong taon. We touched on scarcity earlier, the lack of medical workers, of beds, medicines, PPEs, and world leaders who hold people's lives in their hands, including those outside their borders, had to be selfish. As they reached out to stakeholders, MSF brought up the issue of access with these politicians. The response was that, yes, they had, you know, this concern, but at the same time, without really saying it, you know, they were admitting that they had to take care of national concern and national pressure. And this is why also they, in the end, have behaved the way they have behaved, which was to basically hoard most of the products when they were on the market to serve their own population rather than ensuring a more equitable access to these products, you know, for the countries who were in need of them. Equitable. Equity. In simple terms, says Natalie, equity means the people who need it can access medical tools now. To be fair, she says, the World Health Organization tried to ensure this. It was about, you know, the equitable access policy, which was proposing to cover 20% of the population which in all countries, you know, with a product which was the most uh, vulnerable population, you know, frontline health workers, people with uh, other medical conditions, elderly, etc. But we could also challenge that a little bit in a way, because some countries were definitely impacted differently. So when countries like South Africa, like Brazil and others were had, you know, their numbers going up, at that very moment, we should have worked on making sure that they had access because transmission was very high in these countries, whereas we were in other places, we could manage differently and, and we could have handed over some of our products to these countries. So maybe the idea of equity was probably to say, okay, let's make sure that countries that are hugely impacted by the pandemic have you know, access in a timely manner, and then we will organize access to others at a later stage, rather than trying to say, okay, let's everyone have access at the same time for 20% of their population. And I think what was lacking, you know, globally is to have the right governance system where countries were invited to shape the response, to be part of the conversation on how am I going to deal with these inequities? And so if we are to respond to this pandemic and the coming ones better, what should we do? And as we always ask on this podcast, what does a better normal entail? Currently, the World Health Assembly, which is the WHO's decision-making body, is working on a quote-unquote convention, agreement, or other international instrument to strengthen pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. Kailangan nating abangan yan. But for now, says Natalie, it's crucial that research is shared among nations. Okay, how do we make sure that information coming from, you know, clinical trials, you know, epidemiologists, etc., is sort of centralized and, and that we can compare, for example, one product efficacy to the other, etc. The second important thing was this idea to pool resources financial resources to support innovation, invest in innovation to accelerate, you know, the development of products. 
This was done through what is called the Act A. The Access to COVID-19 Tools or Act Accelerator is the WHO's way of bringing together different sectors to, quote, accelerate development, production, and equitable access to COVID-19 tests, treatments, and vaccines, end quote. Kasama na dyan ang governments, scientists, businesses, civil society, philanthropists, and global health organizations. That was a good idea. But then I, I can I can say that it went sort of wrong, you know, after because actually most of countries who funded this innovation actually hoarded this innovation for themselves first. We need to continue supporting innovation, however. And, uh, you know, for example, here in the Philippines, you have, you know, people developing diagnostics and, and in other places developing vaccines. You know, in universities, in, in the communities, you have amazing people who are developing products, searching for innovative ways of, of dealing with the situation. Dr. Del Rosario also has a few ideas for a better normal. Well, uh, Una, I think we have to have the ready infrastructure. So as early as now, I think we should be looking at infectious disease centers. No, Parang hindi yung nagkukumahog lahat ng mga hospital. The hospitals now are being asked to give 20 to 30 percent of their hospital beds. No. It was understandable dahil nagulat tayo dito sa COVID. But now that we knew the lessons that you really have to have centers, just like what they did in China or in Wuhan, nagkaroon talaga ng hospital for COVID, then now you have dedicated specialists and the healthcare workers. And it has to be regional siguro, hindi naman pwedeng sa Manila lang. Networks also have to be established to speed up response. At dapat, computerized lahat. Let's say, for example, Hospital A is puno na dapat mabilis na na hindi na pupunta si pasyente sa hospital A because we have a command center na parang okay, then you go to hospital B, hospital C. And the public must be involved. Kanyari, ang problema, shuttling healthcare workers. So there has to be a system na transportation ng hawak ng ganitong civil society o, di ba, or pagkain. So yung parang ganon. And then in terms naman of kung talagang directly helping PGH, that's necessarily PGH, but especially other hospitals which are not really getting enough. In your communities, yung maliliit yung hospital dyan, yung mga barangay health center, take care of your healthcare workers. If they need PPE, kahit hindi na po sa malalaking hospital, yung mga maliliit na hospital na kailangan din nila. So you, you, you sort of like uh, pay attention to these uh, smaller ones. Because we need to empower the primary care, hospital, secondary, so that a lot of the patients do not have to go to the bigger ones. Support your local hospitals and see what they need. Finally, if you're wondering how you can contribute to a better normal right now, here's what Dr. Del Rosario has to say to you. I hope you get fully immunized and get your booster because the most direct help that you can give to us is to not go to the hospital. And so a lot of our patients who get hospitalized, unfortunately, have not completed their immunization schedule. So if you don't go to the hospital, then we have more healthcare workers attending to other non-COVID patients. Again, I'm Trisha Aquino, co-founder of Puma Podcast. You've been listening to A Better Normal. This episode was produced by myself with editorial support from Carl Jo Javier. It was put together by Carl Sayat. If you like this show, share it with a friend or two. And please do leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. 
It really helps get the word out about our podcast and helps us continue to do what we love. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.